The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to your dose of football 24-7. He's John McMullen, and I am your humble host, Tone DeShields II. As I always say, before we get too deep into the content, I need you guys to smash that like button. I need you guys to remain engaged in the live chat. I love when you guys start going back and forth because it just shows me how excited you are about your Philadelphia Eagles. And most importantly, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel and check out more from John McMullen on jkibsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. So, John, today the Philadelphia Eagles offense appeared to get – they appeared to just be sharp as they can be. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. And I have to ask, you know, what are some of your thoughts? What is your insight right now on this Philadelphia Eagles in this, uh, joint, in this joint training camp, these joint practices with the Cleveland Browns right now? Um, well, you know, I'm not there, so it's difficult to sort of make a formulation as far as, but I think what Nick Sirianni said before, uh, practice today kind of stands out to me and that's, you know, it's not about, it's not about winning or losing. Everybody says, you know, who won these practices, it's about uh, getting in the work. And I think specifically and Fletcher Cox mentioned this yesterday as well specifically because of the type of, of offense um, and also defense, but obviously Fletcher was talking about the offense because of the type of offense that Cleveland plays. Um, it, it's, it's good work from the perspective of the Eagles don't typically see it. So, you know, they run a lot of play action. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, sort of learned and and came from that um, Mike Shanahan tree, you know, and his version was learned a lot of what he knows from Gary Kubiak. So if you think about what Kyle Shanahan does now in San Francisco as well. So it's a lot of play action um, and the Eagles don't use a lot of play action. So their defense doesn't typically, typically get to see that in practice. And then they also run the football really well, and they run it from under center. Um, again, that Shanahan-Kubiak offense, um, and the Eagles don't do that virtually at all. So I think it, it's good work from the perspective. If you think about Detroit in week one, Jared Goff, you're going to see a lot of play action, even more so week two, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins. You're going to see a lot of play action. And to me, this is good work for the Eagles because they weren't, 
you know, they weren't seeing that against their offense. So the defense gets those looks. And especially when you look ahead to what's early in the season, I think that that part of it's really important. So how does a team improve improve in defending the play action? Um, like you said, the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't really run too much play action or run as much play action as a team like the Cleveland Browns or the San Francisco 49ers. Um, how, where does it begin for the defense? Uh, does it begin with scheme, uh, personnel, um, you know, coaching, uh, just, just, just being, just having a well-trained eye. Where does it begin for the defense when it comes to defending such a unique version of the play action that the Cleveland Browns play? Well, JG will tell you alignment, assignment, technique, and Fletcher Cox uh, said those exact three words. So, you know, anytime you're not used to seeing something, you're apt to make mistakes. You're apt uh, to, your eyes are, easily more easily fooled and obviously a lot of play action is you know have those linebackers bite up to stop the run if you if you really sink in that 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 play action that fake handoff well and especially if you have a good running attack like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt so you have to respect that and all of a sudden whether it's TJ Edwards or, or Kaiser White or N'Kobe Dean, you take that little half step in to go get Nick Chubb and all of a sudden the ball comes out of his stomach and they're throwing the football and all you're, you're, you're scrambling. So um, they don't get to see that in practice. So that to me is the more important part. And I know the sexy part is who scored the touchdown and red zone and all that stuff. And the one, one-handed catch, but that's sort of what Nick Sirianni said today when he was asked the question, who won yesterday? He said, we don't really think of it that way. It's not about that. It's about working on what you need to work on. And I, I think the Eagles picked a good team, especially when you look at their early season schedule. Um, and, you know, a lot of it's luck. I mean, you have some say in setting up your preseason opponents. And so maybe the Eagles thought about this, but I think it's a good opponent. Now it would have been nicer if Deshaun Watson was out there and he was out there, but from the perspective of second, he was taking second team reps because the Browns have to get Jacoby Brissett ready now. Right. And it would have been nice to see the Eagles first team against Deshaun Watson because he's really talented. And that would have made it more difficult than Jacoby Brissett. But it is what it is. It's interesting because last year, uh, the Eagles defense, they were they weren't as receptive to JG's principles and his philosophies and his approach to defense. Um, he had those guys essentially kind of playing out of position. Um, especially guys like Fletcher Cox. He was one of the most notable guys to speak out about it. And this year seems to be a different tune. You hear Fletcher Cox, you know, reiterating JG's principles. You said assignment, alignment, and technique, right? So, yeah. So I'm curious to know, like, how – what have you noticed from this defense when it, when it comes to them being receptive to JG's philosophies and his principles? I know he mentioned something a while back when he first got here, something known as the HITS theory. I forget what the acronym is – what the acronym means. Yeah, again, no, but, it is HITS. And, and and a lot of that, Jim Swartz would say the same thing. I mean, that's not unique to Jonathan Gannon, alignment, assignment, technique. You're going to hear that from every defensive coordinator. But okay. the difference is, 
Fletcher Cox, using an example, he he was used to being in Jim Schwartz's defense, and he was very successful, and he liked it, and it, he played three technique, and he got to go after the the passer, and right. he joked, you know, I don't play screens. He used to joke, you know, his job, as defined by Jim Schwartz, was go get the quarterback, and you know, maybe stop a running play on your way to the quarterback. That's fun for a defensive lineman. Jonathan Gannon came in a little bit of a different scheme, the Big Bangio sort of inspired scheme, which is, you know, more of a, they call it one and a half gaps. They don't call it two gap. So it's a little bit more read and react. But what it made it worse for Fletcher last year was he had to play a lot of, of, of positions that he, he wasn't used to playing, whether it was, uh, shade technique uh, as a nose tackle, essentially. Uh, Javon Hargrave as well. That's that's why Jordan Davis is so important because now Fletcher Cox doesn't have to do that. Javon Hargrave doesn't have to do that. Cross your fingers and hope Jordan Davis do- doesn't get hurt. And all of a sudden they can go back to playing. They're going to play a lot of four-eye technique, which is, you know, it's not three, but it's better. And, and, and from the perspective of, of somebody like Fletcher Cox, and he's more excited about this season than last season, because he's not going to be asked to tie up blockers as much as he was last year, which, you know, isn't as fun, especially when you spent so many years just being unleashed and going after the quarterback. And that's where Jordan Davis fits in, right? A guy that's going to be asked and told to, uh, tie up blockers right yeah and he doesn't have a problem with it either so and he's a rookie and you know it, it's like if it, it, you know for for a while and i hate to compare anybody to aaron donald but for a while you know p- people would say fletcher cox might be the best defensive tackle in the nfl not named aaron donald he was in the conversation for being number two right um now, if you told Aaron Donald, hey, Aaron, go play shade technique, go play go play on the nose, go tie up blockers, Aaron Donald's not going to be happy. Aaron Donald's not going to be happy at all. So he's undersized. Fletcher got a little bit of a bad rap. Well, not only undersized, he is undersized. You'd be dumb to ask him to do it from numerous. You'd be dumb to ask him to do it because he's undersized, but you'd be dumber because he's the best interior pass rusher that ever lived. So um, you, you, you got to get the undersized. You got 18 things you're doing wrong before you get the undersized. So you can make a legitimate claim that Jonathan Gannon shouldn't have been using Fletcher Cox and, 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 Javon Hargrave, the way he was using them at times last year. Um, I think that's the better criticism of Jonathan Gannon than some of the other tropes you hear um, about not being aggressive enough and things like that. Um, I think that's the better criticism, the more apt criticism. But he felt he had to because he felt he didn't have anybody else who could do it. So the Marlon Cui Pelotos of the world, the you know, he just wasn't good enough as a rookie. Marvin Wilson got here too late. He just didn't have anybody to do it, and that's why Jordan Davis was so important for the Eagles and why they traded up to get him. 
If you guys are just tuning in, you're locked in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen, and I'm your humble host, Tony DeShields II. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys continue to stay engaged in the live chat, and make sure you guys are subscribed to Jacob Sports. And if you want more from John McMullen and other of our contributors uh, on Jacob Sports, check out jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. And on top of that, make sure you guys are locked in on the best postgame show in town that's coming September 11th. The Jacob Sports Post Game Show that features Derek Gunn, Mike Missinelli, Seth Joyner, and Devin Caney. You can find that on 6abc.com, and it's going to be broadcasted on YouTube from Ocean's Casino and Resort in their new sports book, The Gallery, where you can place all your sports bets, take care of all, all your sports betting needs, um, get plenty of drinks, get plenty of food, and have a great time. So make sure you guys make it down to Atlantic City towards Ocean Casino Resort, and make sure you guys are in attendance for the Jacob Sports Post Game Show that features heavy hitters like Seth Joyner, Mike Missinelli, Devin Caney and Derek Gunn. Now, John, I want to transition to the offense side of the ball. Um, they've been getting a lot of praise in Cleveland, most notably today. And guys like Devontae Smith and AJ Brown continue to get talked about. They're essentially just putting burners on guys like Greedy Williams and other uh cornerbacks and safeties on um, with the Cleveland Browns. You know, I'm curious, you know, if Jalen can deliver, right? If Jalen can really live up to all of our expectations. How dangerous, how deadly can this A.J. Brown-Devontae Smith combo truly be if everything bowls well for Jalen Hurts? Um, well, they're good players. So, you know, I think it's more of an indication of, you know, what are you going to get out of the Jalen Hurts than what are you going to get out of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? I think, you know, you you kind of saw the uh, the floor of A.J. Brown in Tennessee, right? They had a run-first offense, and you see the numbers he was able to put up. And he would have had three 1,000-yard seasons if he didn't get hurt last year. So um, that's sort of his floor. You saw Devontae Smith's floor um, last season as a rookie, what, 916 yards, franchise record, whatever it was, um, with a run-first offense, uh, essentially. That's kind of the floor of those two players. They're both really, really good players, you know. If if and I always use the term high volume. If there was a high volume passer here, you know, you're talking about two one thousand yard receivers. You're talking about maybe a fourteen hundred yard receiver, you know. Um are the Eagles going to be that? I don't think so. Um, I don't think they should be that. Um, I think there's a give and take with that. I, I talk about it all the time. Do you want to win football games or do you want fantasy football numbers? I, you know, if you're throwing the ball 40 times, it's probably not a good thing. Probably means you're either behind or in a shootout. Um, are the Eagles more equipped to win a shootout? Maybe. Maybe as Jalen Hurts improves, maybe they have better weapons. Um, maybe, you know, last year they, they couldn't get in shootouts. They were going to lose those types of games. But, you know, would you rather win 23 to 13 or would you rather you lose 35 to 31? Sometimes I think people would rather lose 35 to 31 if they had receivers that, Caught caught the football for 150 yards. So, I, you know, I I've said it pretty consistently. 
and and I've used forget about AJ and Devontae because they're going to play. I've used Zach Pascal versus Quez Watkins as the indication. It's probably a good sign if Zach Pascal's on the field. It's probably a bad sign, and I'm talking late in games. Probably a bad sign if 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 Quez Watkins is on the field. That's it's, you know that's the way I look at it. It's interesting because. I try to I try to take my mind off the stats, but you know PFF, right? They just came out with their stat projection for Jalen Hurts, and their projection was, and me personally, I think this is a bit generous, but <laughs> their projection was um, forty nine hundred total yards and thirty seven total touchdowns. Now I've tried to break that Ooh. math up. I, I tried to break those numbers up in my head. Okay, which one's going to be the passing yards? Which one's going to be the running yards, and so on and so forth, but. I have a hard time believing that, but I'll take it a step further. How does a quarterback, how does Jalen Hurts get the numbers and still win? Because I know you said if you see guys like Quez Watkins on the field, that means they're behind. You know, if you see Jalen Hurts going for big passing numbers, nine times out of ten, they're behind. How can Jalen Hurts still get the big pass numbers and still win the game? Well, why do you want him to get the big pass now? That, that's, I guess that's what I don't understand for the average fan. Why, yeah, I mean, last year, what did you say, 4,900 yards? Yes, and uh, that's obviously going to be split up between passing and running. Yeah. I mean, he's he's so, not going five. I mean, last year yards. he was at uh, 3,144 passing, 784 rushing. So he's about, you know, 3,900 yards. He's going to get 1,000 more yards. I, 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 I don't know if he's going to do that and – I don't know if you want him to do that more importantly. I mean, the the whole thought press, and I, I have this discussion with Jody because Jody thinks they're going to be a pass-first team, and maybe he's right. And I, I, I don't know what they're going to be. I know all they practice is passing. I know that. Yeah, um, Craig said I, that today. He, he mainly sees them focusing on the passing, not the running yeah. in practice. I, you know, it, there's two ways you can look at it. One, it's they're working on what they need to work on and they know they can run the football. You can look at it that way. Or they really want to pass the ball. And if you ever met Jeffrey Laurie for 10 minutes, you probably think they really want to pass the ball. Um, but I, I don't like, like I, I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be, um, disgruntled to the fans, but I don't I know why they're so obsessed with stats. It's I'll tell you why, John. I'll tell you why. Because fans look at it from this perspective. That's something tangible that they can use to defend him, right? A lot of people don't watch the game like you and I, right? They tend to look at the numbers and they base that off of someone being good or not. So I think I think fans more so want that ammo to say, hey, look, this is this is what my guy did versus what your guy did. He lived up to expectations. What did your guy do? Well, I'd I'd rather have 13 wins to point to, you know, by hook or by crook. And I and I don't care who wins, if it's the defense, if it's Jalen Hurts, if it's the offense. Um, you know, if you're a good team, you're a good team, and you can kind of lean on that. Um, but I, I mean, look, you have to be, there are guys who can do it. I mean, the great quarterbacks, the, 
in recent history, Tom Brady, obviously Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers now, they put up big numbers and they win a lot of football games. Um, Patrick Mahomes now puts up big numbers, wins a lot of football games. Do we think the quarterback's going to be in the conversation with those guys? I, I don't. I I mean, that to me is a stretch. That's a good I mean, point. Call me a hater. Call me whatever you want. I mean, those are those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, not Pro Bowlers, not the occasional All Pro selection, not have have an MVP year. They are first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, not many of those guys. Consistent from week in, week out. I mean. I, I can't expect – I think it's unfair to expect that. On, so, um, so, um, so, can he, so can Jalen win the job then? Can, can Jalen win the job, the franchise quarterback job, not putting up those kind of numbers or something close to it? Is it possible for him to secure this job strictly off of team success? Nobody's taking you off the field if you win games. Nobody. Well, Jimmy G, they've, they've tried to take him – they've been trying yeah, to take him off the field. Yeah, an exception. I was going to say Case Keenum. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy G, yeah, you you can't be terrible, um, you know. Jimmy Jimmy was terrible, and it's amazing that San Francisco got as far as they did. But we'll take J- Jalen from last year wasn't terrible. Jalen was a really good player, um, a unique player. That's the phrase I always use. But really good. He wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. He could make plays. He can. And, and that to me, and I think we talked about it yesterday on the show, is more important than um, anything else. And, and by the way, Nick Sirianni believes that as well, Jonathan Gannon. I, you know, what the best thing he's done this summer, Jalen Hurts, stayed away from turnovers. Um, if he does that in the regular season, the Eagles are going to win a lot of games because he's going to be able to get explosive plays. Maybe not the kind the fans want, but he's going to make explosive plays. It might be a a 25-yard scramble. It might be extending a play and throwing the football down the field that way. He's going to win the Eagles more often than not. They were one of the best teams in football, the best team by their definition, with explosive plays. If you win those two battles, you're going to win the football game more often than not. The numbers are astronomical, over 90%. If you win the turnover battle and you win the explosive play battle, you're going to win the football game. So I don't care about 70%. I don't care about 40,000 yards passing. I don't care about 30 touchdowns. I hate to sound like Jim Swartz, but what's the stinking score? What's the score? You know, or, or go get Kirk Cousins when the Vikings yeah. get rid of him and be happy with that. <laughs> and he'll throw for 4,000 yards and you'll get 1,500 from AJ. You'll get 1,300 from Devontae Smith and you'll get 900 from Dallas Goddard and have, be happy with your eight wins. You know, as we begin to close out the show, let me bring this up. I think that's why a guy like Donovan McNabb lasted so long in Philadelphia. His numbers were nowhere near glorious. It took him until about maybe his fifth or sixth season to actually throw 
or complete over 60% of his passes. But, you know, no one will ever sit here and say Donovan McNabb was the most accurate quarterback. He wasn't. That's just the reality. But he won. And that's what separated him from others. That's why he was able to keep his job in Philadelphia, consecutive NFC um, championship appearances, uh, an NFC championship win, a Super Bowl uh, appearance. That's how he was able to keep that job. If Jalen Hurts can find ways to win, regardless of how they win, if he finds ways to help this team win, if he consistently has his team in the conversation to compete for NFC championships and potentially Super Bowls, that's how he that's how he keeps this job. That's how he holds on to this. That's how he gets a big, a big long-term contract. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's a difficult decision. I'm, you know, I've been on the ground floor talking about this. We've been talking about it for months. It's a really difficult decision because you have an owner, you know, when you get into coaches and quarterbacks, the owner gets involved and the owner wants a specific type of quarterback. And he wants, um, he wants a Peyton Manning. He wants a Tom Brady. He wants an Aaron Rodgers. We all do, uh, but they don't grow on trees. Right. Um, you could do a lot worse than Jalen Hurts. Uh, the problem is he's getting paid less than $2 million this year. It's great. Everything's copacetic. When you got to pay, yes pay $35, $40 million for that, then it's a different conversation. Um, and it's so a legitimate conversation. So today, really quickly, then we'll uh, we'll be done with this. Uh, today, what's Jalen Hurts worth uh, a year? What's what's it? What's a Jalen Hurts salary look like today? If you had uh, to pay him today, what would you what would you pay him yearly? Well, it's kind of what I would pay him is different than what he would ask for. What his agent would ask for, uh, Nicole Lynn would ask for at least thirty five million average annual value, at least. Um, because remember, these contracts keep going up. They keep mm -hmm. going up and up and up and up. We got Lamar Jackson coming up. Then you have uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert down the road. Mm -hmm. You've already seen um, uh, the Derek Carrs of the world, never mind the Sean Watsons. Um, they keep going up and up and up to the point where Patrick Mahomes deal looks like a bargain for the Kansas city chiefs and he'll be back yeah. and knocking on the door, renegotiating soon enough. That Carson um, Wisconsin looks like, looks like light cheese. Looks like very, Oh yeah. <laughs> very. Um, if uh, Carson frugal. Wentz would have, would have worked out. The Eagles would have been held up signing the best quarterback contract and, you know, recorded history, but he would have been back knocking on the door. So it's sort of a catch 22. When you get to a second contract, and you're a starting NFL quarterback that's a legitimate starting NFL quarterback, you're going to get paid a lot of money. And, you know, it was the demarcation line for me is Derek Carr. And, and, and are you going to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr? No, probably not. But, you know, he's probably better than your quarterback is how I describe it to NFL fans. He's a really good player. Um, it's difficult. You got to pay those guys a ton of money. Um, so the Eagles have to get this evaluation right. They have to get the ceiling right. They have to understand what they have in Jalen Hurts. Ultimately, I think they want a different type of quarterback. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And on that note, you guys, you were locked in too. Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm Tony DeShields II. Look, you guys, this Jalen Hurts conversation, 
it will always be a conundrum because you have some people who prioritize the numbers. You have some people who prioritize the wins. Um, you know, you're always going to have people that nitpick his game. And at the end of the day, you have to work with what you have and you have to be okay with what you have. And if you're not, you move on. But this evaluation is going to be probably one of the most interesting, one of the most fascinating evaluations that we've seen in the past 20 years for Eagles quarterback. And it's going to be exciting, but Make sure you guys yeah, stay Let me jump in. in real quick before we do go, Tone. Everybody sure. in the league prioritizes wins, but the difference is they they don't care about numbers. But And they're right. And, and when Jeffrey Lurie says you need a high-level passing offense, and you know you've heard it from me numerous times now. He's talking about margin of error. Your margin of error increases if you have a high-level passing offense. But everybody – Nobody in the league is talking about stats. Nobody. Nobody cares about so-and-so getting 1,500 passing yards as a receiver. They all want wins. How do you get to wins? Like the old Jonah Hill and Moneyball. You're buying wins. You're not buying players. You're not buying stats. Go buy wins. How, how, how's the easiest way to get there? And Jeffrey Lohr is correct in saying – the easiest way to get there is to have the high-octane passing offense. That gives you the largest margin for error. But you can't get you, you, you can't get it. You can't get Aaron Rodgers. You can't get uh, Tom Brady. These are once-in-a-generation players. Once-in-a-it's another one of my pet peeves. I'm going off on a tangent, and I know we got to go. Once-in-a-generation means once-in-a-generation. Doesn't mean it comes every year. You can't pick these guys off trees. So maximize what you have and what the Eagles have right now is Jalen Hurts. Hey, you guys, there you have it. He's John McMullen. I'm Tone DeShills the second. You guys were locked in on football 24-7. Smash that like button. Make sure you guys continue to comment below. Make sure you guys also are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And if you want more from Jacob Sports, if you're an avid reader, go check out jkipsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. There you'll find writing from John McMullen, Joe, Joe Santelaquito, and Paul Domowicz, the legendary Hall of Fame voter. We appreciate you guys for locking in. Also, make sure you guys... Lock in on the J.K. postgame show that's coming very soon, September 11th. We're going to be live two minutes after every Eagles game, and you'll have Derek Gunn, Mike Messinelli, Seth Joyner, Devin Caney giving you the full scoop, giving you their unadulterated opinion and analysis on your Philadelphia Eagles. You'll be able to watch that on YouTube, and you'll also be able to tune into that on 6abc.com. And if you want to watch the live stream in person, you can go to Atlantic City, but most importantly, you need to pop in at Ocean Casino Resort. There, you'll be able to check out the live stream, check out the actual show at the sports book, the gallery, where you'll take care of all your sports betting needs. You'll be able to get good food, good drinks, and you'll catch the ultimate vibe at Ocean Casino Resort. But like I always say to you guys, one love, stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry. And you guys are locked in football 24-7. Take care, you guys, and fly Eagles fly.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.